Shishkin Productions podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. We've got a great episode for you today, especially if you're a fan of Jeopardy, because my guest is the one and only Austin Rogers. Austin went on a Jeopardy hot streak a few years ago, winning not one, not two, but 12 games in a row, taking home nearly $500,000 in prize money. And what did he do after all that? He came back to New York to keep his bartending job in Hell's Kitchen. I'm so excited to talk with Austin. So without further ado, let's get into it. Year, I'm Braxton. I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. I'm Chris. And we're bringing you the Group Text Podcast. We are four black cousins texting all day, every day about everything going on from the streets to the tweets. And, you know, we're bringing the group text to the podcast world. Yep. Talking about why America is trash, but also why you should have hope. We're recapping everything pop culture, current events, and what's viral this week. And even hitting you with some life advice, like when you should knock if they buck. Yep, and we'll be keeping score, seeing if city boys or city girls are up. City girls are always up. City girls make them wish like Ray J. <laughs> the Group Text Podcast, brought to you by the Shishkin Productions Network. Join our group text every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Austin, welcome to the studio. Jeremy, thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So I saw we uh, we rolled up at the same time, both on bikes, waiting outside, and I hear you're an avid biker. Can you tell me about your bike a little bit? How often you bike? Yeah, I, uh, I'm at like 20 miles a day every single day. I uh, I actually lost 45 pounds over COVID. I am That's like incredible. I'm like a third of the person I yeah I know right <laughs> uh, well mostly because I was told in no uncertain terms you're annoying me please get out of the house uh, for an indeterminate amount of time so I'd go out for like a, a two ten you know ten mile ride then twenty mile ride then a thirty mile ride and whenever I ran errands and by the way during lockdown no one was around so it was like I'm riding in an empty city by myself so I'm like I'm actually enjoying this yeah. Uh, and so I just kept going and going and going. I, I love bike riding and I love people that ride bikes because we share I mean, that's the best way to look at any city and see things because your hands are on the handlebars. Yo. You're not looking at your phone. You're forced to look around and you see things and learn a city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And the other thing is like, you, you see things, but you also don't see things. Like I'll walk down a block that I bike down all the time and I'll be like, that shop is new. And I'll go, how come I never notice it? Well, because I'm in bike mode and in bike yep. mode, your head's on a swivel. But, uh, Oh shit! What was it you saying? Um, it's like it's kind of like how you could listen. You could listen to podcasts at like one point, or watch YouTube videos at one point five or two. It's like you you could do the same thing walking, except the biking. It's at like you know one point five or two x. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 the other thing is like every time I, I, this ever happened to you, you get that decision where you're like, uh, okay, I can do. Ooh, do I take a taxi? Do I take a subway? Do I take a bike? All right, I got to make it there on time. I take a taxi. No, the answer is always the bike. Absolutely. The bike's always faster. Not, Every single time you kick oh, yourself in the ass and on, you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not only is it faster, but it's free and you get exercise and you get fresh air. I could go on, we could go on this for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, us yeah. bike people know. Yeah, well, us but bike anyways, people the, know. I brought this up because as we were walking in at the same time and meeting each other for the first time, you mentioned your bike's name, which is. Treddy Mercury. Treddy Mercury, <laughs> which is named after <laughs> Freddie Mercury. Uh, but I did not name it. I had a um, 
I had on Instagram, I put a 30, I asked my friends and followers and uh, I asked, give me some cool bike names. I got this new bike. Nope. And then tell me some of the best bike names. So, I was, well, he, so he was firing them off. And there was there a context. Was a of, yeah. Well, there's context because yeah. my prior bikes were, uh, there was James Vanderbike. James Vanderbike was crushed by the hydraulic lift of a film crew. Uh, there was Bike Tyson. Bike Tyson was stolen outside of White Castle at 4 a.m. You could understand what happened with that. And then my last one was Spokey Robinson. Spokey Robinson was stolen from my apartment hallway. So when I got my new bike, I go, I got to have a bike naming contest. But when I had my bike naming contest before, it was like on Facebook for like 15 friends. Yeah. Well, now I'm like, I got like 18,000 followers. So I'm like, okay, let's have the bike. So I got maybe 500 submissions of names and most of them were freaking terrible. <laughs> uh, but there was one chains. Someone said two chains. And I go, two chains isn't funny. A yeah. bike has one chain. So one chains. One chains is so good. There was Geary. One chains. Yep. Geary Busey. Uh, Spinneth Paltrow. Uh, <laughs> there was, uh, uh, oh my God. I can't remember. There were so many good ones. Um, oh, Sp uh, uh, Snoop Cog. Um, <laughs> and was I'm trying to think of a, a bike name right now as you're saying this. And the first one that came to mind is, yeah, I, no, it's not good. It's not good. Well, for my ex-girlfriend's uh, birthday, I bought her a bike and I named it Derailer Swift. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's got, a nice gift. Yeah, that was a nice gift. <laughs> uh, she, she's dead to me now. <laughs> um, so you, So first of all, let, let me just give a little <laughs> intro to you because for anyone who doesn't know, Austin is is a Jeopardy winner, but not only a Jeopardy winner, you had a streak of 12 games in a row. That is correct. And I just I just want to know more about that. First of all, how did you get on Jeopardy? So, uh Jeopardy is actually this is this is actually to all your listeners, do it. It's easy. You well, it's not easy, but it's yeah. easy to try to go through the process. There's what's called the online anytime test. And it comes up once a year and you can actually get ready and study and, and take it whenever you want. Back in the day, it used to be not an anytime test. They used to schedule it once a year and they'd give you an online test on a Monday or a Tuesday, a Wednesday and a Thursday at different time zones. And every single year I take that online test. I take it once and then you enter in a black box. Sometimes you might get a call for an audition. Nine years before I got on the show, I got the call for the audition. And you go in the audition, it's usually locally around uh, – uh, it's not local, actually. It's usually only in a couple cities, right, which I didn't – it didn't really resonate with me when I sat down for the first time for my first audition, and someone next to me was from Toronto. And so New York was the closest locality for them yeah. to come to an audition. So they spent their own money, came to a hotel, all for the hopes of being on the show. And like the woman next to me was from Minnesota and she go, oh, how'd you get here? I'm like, I, I walked the four blocks <laughs> from my apartment. They yeah. go, what do you mean? I'm like, we're in Times Square. I live in Hell's yeah. Kitchen at the time. They're like, I, I walked. They're like, oh, we took a Greyhound overnight from Minnesota. I'm like, Jesus oh, Christ. Uh, dedication so, though gotta respect it yeah oh no yeah. that's how beloved and right, how right, rabid right. the fan base is but so, you had a little cheat code well i didn't have a cheat code then because i didn't get the gig then mm -hmm. so uh you sit in an audition room and uh you take some more written tests and then they bring the 40 or 50 of you up three at a time and the producers are there and they do a little mock game. They give you the actual buzzers oh, and wow. they've got an actual projection screen and they nice. do a mock game. And the three of you, 
out of, you know, in the cycle through, you get, uh, you know, you get to answer four or five questions each, right? Yeah. Uh, Henry V, blah, 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 blah. And then the producers go one, two, three, and they go, it says here, uh, Jeremy, you're a photographer from Brooklyn. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about that. And you answer those questions. And then the last question they ask all three people up there, and by the way, they repeat this the whole time, is when you win Jeopardy, what are you going to do with the money? And the first time, I was the very last person up. So I had heard, no, wait, now I'm forgetting. The <laughs> I mean, how long ago was this now? This, this was, was, this would be like nine years ago. This okay. was my first this audition. First audition. Okay. But the first one, I, uh, yeah, the first one, I was the first person up. Yes, I was the first person up. And I go, I don't know, uh, open up a bar and run into the ground, let my friends drink for free. Huge, huge laughs. That's, that's a good. But good. maybe not Jeopardy material. And then you hear the whole room go around and they go, I want to go on a dream vacation. I want to pay off my student loans. I want to pay for my kid's college. I want to pay for my mortgage. Right. Eh. It's not interesting. It isn't interesting. Yeah. So that's my advice to anyone is take that online test. And if you do get the audition, yeah. have a spin, have a story. Yeah, don't be basic. Don't make be it, basic. Make it fun, even if it's not actually real, right? It's yeah. Like, you know, and like your dream. You could, you could fill that show with lawyers and doctors every day of the week. And then, and then, but it wouldn't be, it's still television entertainment. Yeah. So flash forward year after year, I don't get the call back. And they hold you for 18 months, next year, next year, next year, doing the online test, doing the online test, doing the online test. And the next time I get the audition call and I go to Times Square to another hotel. And it was the day Bob Dylan got his uh, Nobel Peace Prize, a uh, Nobel Prize in literature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which Ma- he didn't show up to, right? He did not. He's <laughs> like, I don't know where I am. Um, Maggie Speak, who was the contestant uh, director at that point, one of now my good friends and one of the coolest people on earth, she goes, everyone, how exciting is today? Bob Dylan got his Nobel Prize in literature. Isn't that exciting? Let's go around the room and introduce ourselves and, and tell our favorite Bob Dylan song. And I'm like, oh, woman, you're going to be crushed right now because I'm nailing this. And everyone goes, I like like rolling stone i like the times they are changing i like like a rolling stone i like hurricane i go well uh, right now i really like duquesne whistle and she goes duquesne whistle i go yeah she goes off of tempest i go yeah she goes everyone in the room can we just acknowledge that this man right here i go austin rogers he goes austin rogers i remember you did you audition once nine years ago and i go i did and she goes this man austin rogers i just want to note that all the rest of you named a bob dylan song from the 60s Austin, when did uh, Tempest come out? I go, uh, 2011. And she goes, and here he is naming a Bob Dylan song from this decade? I don't know. That deserves a round of applause. And the whole room glared at me. (laughs) Because also, unlike my first audition, this room was bizarrely 100%, I'm not exaggerating, to the T, only white men. Only white men. And I out-white manned them all with my Bob Dylan knowledge. There you go. Hey, and then got you on the show. And so. then, well, then you forget. The beauty of the Jeopardy audition process, you forget you took the test, then you get the audition, it's a surprise. Uh-huh. You forget about the audition, then six, eight so months later. So did you get something in the mail, or you got an email, or you got a call? Or... Boop. Phone comes up, 310, says Culver City, and I go, that's the call. Wow. And then I, uh, I saw that I got the call, and I had... 
had something to drink at that point. And I was so excited. I dropped my phone and it shattered into a million pieces. While you were getting the call. Yeah. Wow. And then I had to go and like my phone became like a pager because the screen fell off, but I could feel it buzzing. So then I had to go to my laptop and like Incredible. open up to see my messages and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, what if, what if, what if since I missed the call, they don't, I go blah, 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 and yeah. collapse into, but then I called him back. I'm like, I'm like, I haven't heard from them for the weekend. And then Ryan, who's also really cool, I've become friendly with the, one of the contestant coordinators. He goes, oh, sorry, man. I was on a casting gig for uh, four days. Sorry, I didn't get back to you. So uh, you want to go on the show? And I go, no. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but then the, the final part is uh, the final part of the journey onto Jeopardy is, all right, see you in L.A. in three weeks. Why do you, what do you mean? No, that's it. See you in LA in three weeks. Here's her hotel. Here's her flight. You guys got to book it yourself and pay for it yourself. Here's what we suggest. And uh, we'll see you in LA in three weeks. Oh, go. wow. They, they, they said, here's your flight and here's your hotel, but they didn't pay for no, it. No, you have to pay for it yourself. Really? Yeah. So that's that's two little sketchy things that are uh, about the little Jeopardy thing. That's a that... bummer because they, they have the money to put these contestants up. Yeah. But, and uh, hey, at least uh, you want some of it back. So. Yeah, I want a little bit of it back. Yeah. Uh, but that's the crazy part too. You know, they just hang up. And they go, nope. How do I study? They're like, we don't care. You figure it out. Bye. Wow. Damn. Yeah. So you design your own study regimen. Cool. Damn. Well, that's awesome to hear that backstory of how it yeah. all happened. Because I feel like everyone watches this show, but no one really knows how people get on. Yeah. So, and then cool excelling is a whole different story. That's a whole because different story, yeah. Which I think we'll get into with some of these questions. All right. So, cool. Let's do it. So yeah, the way this podcast works is people ask questions on my IG story, and I ask them straight to you. So. The first question is coming in from Misadventures of Mmm. Mmm. What's your favorite thing about New York City? Have you lived here all your life? I have not lived here all my life. I am from Westchester. I went to college in Minnesota, but my entire adult life, I've actually, the last year I passed the mark where more of my life has been spent as a resident of nice. Manhattan than anywhere else. Nice. I'm now on my 21st year. So you're a true New Yorker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was from Westchester anyway. My mom's from Flushing and my dad's from Manhattan. So I had a little bit of a oh, yeah. uh, grandfather clause in anyway. Uh, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. <laughs> Hell, they're all New Yorkers. Uh, yeah. Okay. Man, asking your favorite thing about New York is... Yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have a feeling what it might be. Just no, I don't... Is, is it something related to bikes? No, no, I don't. It's hard to pick one thing. But <sighs> okay, hey. I, I've, got a, I've got a favorite feeling about New York. This is a little esoterica. Okay. Uh, whenever I'm feeling down about New York, like there's this pressure, there's this always underlying pressure to succeed and excel here in New York, and only New Yorkers know it, but whenever that pressure is getting too much, I will go on my bike and that will clear my air. But what I specifically will do is I will go to the harbor and I will remember that we are a maritime city based on trade. And we were at one time the center of the global world and that it, we are an island in the middle of the country in the middle of an ocean and everything came through and came to here. And I just love I, the water. No one thinks about New York as maritime city. When you think maritime, you think, oh, yes, the place with all the ships and the docks and stuff like that. New York is a maritime city, and we're founded on maritime trade. Uh, 
And even 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 when the Lenape plied the waters in in canoes and stuff, it was it was a bountiful harbor that supplied the native peoples and then the Dutch and subsequently English colonists their lifeblood. And it just rejuvenates me, even if it's just seeing the Staten Island Ferry or pleasure boats or that's all that's in that harbor. But imagining that this thing was a living, breathing, organic machine of commerce and success and that we still got it in us. So that's what relaxes you. That's what relaxes me. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I said it was esoteric. Come yeah, on, it, dude. It is. I didn't. I didn't. I'm a, we'll be a little, also pizza. I like pizza too. Are you kidding there? there? Alexander Adventurous. Go. Mm, pizza's good too. There you go. I love it. <laughs> um, the next question from Gabriella Gabriella What's the first game show you were a fan of and how old were you? Uh, or it, what was your favorite show in but, general? Uh, no, first game show I was a fan of was, was Jeopardy. I mean, it was it was mandatory childhood viewing because I'm a kid of the 80s and the Je- the Jeopardy resurgence was in the mid early 80s. And it was it was a big deal when it came out again because it had a new, cool, young host, not an old stodgy type, although I, th- I believe Alex was in his 40s at that point in time. But compared to all the old gray haired guys. And like when Jeopardy came out, it was in in the 80s, Alex was on Cheers and he was making cameos here and became this, it became this like, because the 80s also had this real trivia boom. We had Trivial Pursuit. We had all these quiz shows, Mm -hmm. um, but Jeopardy was the one. Family, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, channel seven, shut down, Time to stop. We watch Jeopardy for half an hour and then screw Wheel of Fortune because it's boring nonsense. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I one Roasted. of my one of my earliest uh, memories was with my my brothers because up in Westchester where I'm from we had Channel Seven New York, but you can also get Channel Eight from Hartford Connecticut, which is also ABC, and they aired Jeopardy at different times. So sometimes so you'd watch it back to back and really learn. and then spoil it for our parents. Wow, we literally <laughs> watched the one version, so and then we'd be like Battle of Agincourt. How long until your parents caught on to it? I. I think they played dumb. Okay. I think they knew exactly what we were doing. Uh, I'll, I, I actually, right after this, I'm going to text my mom and ask her that. But <laughs> I think I think they knew what we were doing. But they're like, "You guys are so smart." We're like, "We got this." Uh, but yeah, That's... Jeopardy. That was the earliest game show I remember. All right. So speaking of that, what is what do you think the worst game show is? Would it be Wheel of Fortune, or is there a worst <laughs> game show? I just I don't like Wheel of Fortune because I'm I don't know for some reason I'm great at crosswords, but I'm terrible at Wheel of Fortune. I just can't do that yeah. letter matchy thing. Mm-hmm. It, crosswords are different. You got a clue. I know the answer. I love. I do the. I do crosswords every day. Well, yeah. I just do the mini. Every yeah, day. no, it's fine. But, crosswords uh, are fun because you yeah. have a clue, so you got context. Wheel of Fortune. I just can't do that letter matchy thingy. Yeah. Um, worst game show. Okay, the worst game show I was actually on. Oh, oh, I think I know what you're about to say. What? Can I guess? Mm, yeah, guess. You're going to be Do, wrong. Does it rhyme with uh, Mashmab? No, that was oh. awesome. That was okay. a great experience. We'll talk about that okay, in a second. We'll talk about that in a little bit. No, Ryan Seacrest hosted this television event several years ago called Million Second Quiz. It was a million second quiz. Million second quiz. What does that even mean? Okay. 
It was one million seconds, seconds, which comes out to, I don't know, someone do the math for me. I think a week and a half or something like that. And it was last trivia person standing. It kept, this is, NBC wants you to forget that this ever happened. Oh, God. They built this giant, who wants to be a millionaire-esque indoor-outdoor set on top of a pier in the 40s on the on the river in the 40s streets not yes here, right? yes no 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 <laughs> not in the 40s why <laughs> why why the kaiser will take two bits for that one uh the kaiser was long i was dead. about to be like ryan seacrest yeah. wasn't alive in the 40s uh, ryan seacrest might have been alive but the kaiser wasn't <laughs> at that point um yeah so so they built this massive set and 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 the the premise was you were battling out in heats and if you could survive you got the main prize and uh, there was like a to get it started. I'm trying to remember. I did this and I can't remember it, but to get it started, you had four people, and I was one of the first four. And this was before it went to air. It was like online first, so you could watch the progress, and then it went to air and then went back to online. It was this hybrid thing. So people would be playing trivia at like three in the morning or something like that, right? And they didn't have the technology together. It looked sharp, but it was garbage. So we ended up – the buzzing system wasn't really working oh, correctly. No. So they had this improvised buzzer, and I swear – I swear – I actually did really well to start. I was one of the survivors for like – I think like – I don't know, maybe – half an hour or 45 minutes or something like that. Okay. But then the buzzer started acting up. I'm like, guys, I'm hitting the right one. Yeah, that's frustrating. And yeah. They're like, well, we're just going to use these fake buzzers here, not the real one. Oh. And then I got booted off and someone took my spot. And uh, then they called me a couple days later and they're like, do you want to come back in and chat? That's how it worked. Whoever was holding on to the current title would have challengers come up and try to outpoint them. Yeah. And then they would become the person holding the title of the million second, yada, yada, yada. And they actually asked me to come back. They're like, do you want to come back for one last chance to challenge the battle, the challenger? Because we felt you got a fair, unfair shake at because of the buzzer malfunction. I go, I go, no, I'm cool. I don't need to come back. I don't because this was like a week later. I'm like, nah, you you guys, uh, you guys fuck the pooch on this one. So, uh, nah. Uh, but it was, it was one of those huge television debacles that, uh, that no one remembers. And NBC did a great job of squelching that. And now, and now I just ruined my chances of doing anything with NBC. Oh man. (laughs) Nah. Well, for the best. No, you know what? Television is a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um. So now that you mentioned Cash Cab, though, I'm sure some listeners right now, at least people my age, like that was a fun show to watch. That was really cool. The whole, for anyone who's not familiar, the premise of that show was there was this guy who was driving a cab, a taxi driver, and it was just like you were getting in a taxi, and all of a sudden you're in a game show. And I think... I think the common question I'm actually I'm very curious about this because the common question that everyone asks is how does this even happen? Like, do people actually is this real? Is this real or fake? Do people think they're getting in a cab and then all of a sudden they're in a game show where they can win money? So you were in the show. Yes, I was. So can I ask you? Yeah. What is it's, how do you get on the show? Do you ha- let's reverse engineer it yeah. when once the cash cab is running and driving? Yeah, that's real. There might be one or two cuts in that. 
but that that content and that speed of the rapid fire uh maybe occasionally ben bailey will reread a question because he stuttered over it or something like Mm -hmm. that but what you see for the gameplay oh yeah that's pretty much it okay how they get you in the cab is they, because what are the chances that you were on Jeopardy and then you happen to be on Cash yeah, Cab? Right? So, uh, it was the other way around. Though. Oh, I was, you were on, I was cash on Cash Cab, cab like 15 oh, years ago. Oh. Yeah. I, I guess that show is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I was I a, a spry of. young lad of whatever I was 15 years ago. Um, the, we saw a Craigslisting, Craigslist ad. My friend Allison and I uh, in film, television, radio, and it said, Are you a New Yorker? Do you want to show? Uh, a live cable audience, uh, these secret little known places of New York that only true New Yorkers know for a travel program. So we thought, hey, this will be a fun thing to do. So we applied to it, and they postured it like a travel program the whole time. And then you know, we meet the casting director, and he takes photos of us. And then he goes, all right, guys, it's filmed live to tape, so it's got this – brisk kind of feel to it so i'm just gonna yell some questions at you guys right now just to see your chemistry together and he's like blah 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 i'm like the best deals like blah 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 blah. 1789 blah 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 and like we're because Allie went to columbia she's no slouch also so we're rattling him off doesn't help that she's 511 and a beautiful blonde so like the casting director's like i think we got this so they go uh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna meet you in our production van and take you to your favorite places in new york and you're gonna tell a live cable audience all about it blah 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 so and uh, so you didn't know it was going to be a taxi no and (laughs) then they say where do you want to meet we pick you up in the production van Ah. and then ali says uh i work on central park south at that point in time i worked on central park north let's split the difference and meet at the 59th street stop of the sixth train at bloomingdale's i figured that's an easy split the difference yeah Little little uh, assistant PA girl, she comes and she's like, okay, guys, we're going to take you downtown and we're going to talk about some of your favorite spots. Of oh, oh, production van's stuck in traffic. Why don't you just take a taxi, save the receipt, we'll meet you down there. Oh, she's probably said that so many times. Yep. <laughs> and then the, ta- the cash cab comes around the corner and you don't know it's the cash cab. And then Allison actually goes, I hate minivan taxis. Let this one go by. And I said to her, Screw you. Minivan taxis are better taxis than Crown Victoria's. They're more comfortable to get in and out. So I reach out my hand with my umbrella. I open the door for Allie. She gets in. I get in. And then he goes, where are you going? And I look up and I go, holy fucking shit, we're in the cash cab. And and then the buzzer goes, and he goes, yep, you are. Then... You drive a block. That's really cool. Then you sign your releases and waivers. Ah. And then you get back in and gameplay is for real, for real. Ah, okay. So it's semi. I would have assumed. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. I like, I like that format. They, they so, so, so it's it, real and it's not. It's at the real same and time. it's not. It's mostly real, though. Yeah. Mostly real. The, the, your reactions are genuine. So the story the producers told us later was uh, they used to uh, they used to just randomly pick people up and uh, everyone's dum-dums. So they couldn't make good television out of it right. when people are getting booted from the cab after two questions. Fair. So they had to start a yeah. casting mechanism. But I didn't think it was per- – I don't, I don't think it's duplicitous. I think they, they elicited genuine reactions of surprise and glee, and uh, I loved it. And when I, yeah, when I did it, we were, the, uh, we were the all-time winner at that time. Hey, congrats. Yeah. 
that's that's really cool to hear the first person perspective from it because like everyone who's watched that show like doesn't act, no one actually knows unless you're on the show so yeah thanks for sharing that yeah you're welcome yeah all right the next question is from trey on a wave what's your most and least favorite parts of bartending so if i'm not if if i'm not right re- you're still a bartender right? that is correct at the, at the bar in yep. hell's kitchen gaff west gaff for, west 48th and 9th avenue how many years have you been bartending there i've been drinking there for 20 <laughs> but i've only been working there for five okay yeah i had a whole corporate career beforehand i was an events planner i was in a digital ad agency and then i got laid off and then the boys at the bar were like anyone want to cover a Sunday shift and I go, I will. And then you slowly got into it. And then I'm like, actually, no, I got, well, I'm a seasoned drinker. So (laughs) it was like one day I was on that side of the bar. Next day I'm on this side of the bar and like, what are you doing on that side? I'm like, screw you. Pay me, (laughs) pay me now. (laughs) Now you pay me. That's so funny. Um, Okay. The worst and best parts of bartending um so you've been a bartender for five years for five years yes um the worst part of bartending is not holiday weekends the end of holiday weekends specifically the sunday night into a monday night holiday because there are three kinds of people who are out that night one people who have over day drunk on their holiday Mm. Two, people who have been on a weekend-long bender and it's still going. Oh, no. Or three, and the worst. Oh. Sketchy tourists who have overstayed their welcome and have an early flight and are just fucking misbehaving. Holy vey. That's a very specific category. It is a very specific category. But I guess in Hell's Kitchen, it's close to Times Square. Bingo. Oh, wow. Bingo. So every holiday weekend— I dread it. How many holiday weekends are there? What? Are we including like all sorts of holidays? Because yeah. I feel like nowadays Fourth, there's Fourth of holiday. July came right. on a weekend this okay. year. So that was horrendous. This one guy brought in these two touristy drunks who were overstaying their welcome. And just the tension was there and palpable. And they're like, this other group is like, semi-maliciously ordering shots for one another and i'm like no no more shots and they're like okay well what can we have i go no more shots okay beers only i don't want beers i go okay you know what then i'm closing the bar they're like what do you mean i'm like now i'm literally just closing the bar everyone leave they're like what do are we are we upsetting you i go no just everyone leave they're like what did we done wrong? No, nothing. Just $34, $19, $52. Pay now. Everyone leave. Damn. Weekends. Holiday weekends. Dread them. Yeah. Hate right, them. Well, They're the I worst. If I ever become a bartender, I'll request not to work on holiday weekends. You know what? So. Do that. Yeah. Absolutely do that. <laughs> so what is the best part about being a bartender? Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> you, you, so little responsibility. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's hard work, but it's not hard work. It's you get in like an autopilot. I just love bartending. I love talking to my friends. I love talking to the regulars. I love meeting new people. Mm -hmm. And also I am also not your average bartender because my bar has become a little annex of jeopardy. Yeah. 
I get people coming in from Iowa, specifically knowing that I work at the bar to come and see me. And I've got a stack of my... Do they know when you work? Or do they just come some, to the bar some, and hope? Yeah, sometimes they uh, show up on a Wednesday and I, I ain't there on Wednesdays. Well, actually, I am there on Wednesdays now because I host trivia at the bar uh, on Wednesdays. Yeah, that's your day of trivia, right? Yeah, my day of trivia. Yeah, so uh, if anyone's listening to this right now and... In the New York area or in, not even in the New York area. Or if you're from Iowa and want to travel in to do some Jeopardy. Or if you want to play some Jeopardy on the Zoom because I broadcast it. I broadcast oh. my pub quiz. Nice. Um, yeah, it's live and in person at the bar and transmitted via Zoom. So if anyone wants to, go on my Instagram and uh, there's a little thing you could fill out. Um but yeah, no, I love I love being behind the bar and having someone come in and when they walk in and I see they've got this certain look on their face, I go five, four, three, two, <laughs> one. There it is. Yeah, you could see it, huh? Yeah, but I got a stack of little um, tops made me a baseball card for being like a champion or something like that. And I've got a little stack of baseball cards that I could sign for people. Uh, yeah, I just love bartending. I hate when people say bartending is not a real job. Uh, it's better than a real job because you just show up, you do your job, you get a lot of money. Nice. And then you. Is that is it because it's in New York in a popping area or in general? I I can't, just, I can't just, speak to that. Yeah. I don't know what other bartenders' experiences are like, but I know what mine is like, and I yeah. know that it is – Oh, it's a great job. That's I awesome. wish and I wish you seem I... like a people person just like me. And I think that's yeah. it's a great people person job. You get paid to talk and drink with friends. Yeah. Kind of so, yeah. I wish. To... I mean, the only thing I can think of, I've never been a bartender is does do the hours ever get to you? Do are you working a lot of long nights or uh, I used to. Okay, so um, now... my schedule has changed, but uh, I I work four p.m. till four a.m. on Monday. Mm. But other than that, I'm in and out. On my Saturdays and Sundays. Nice. Listen, man, I work three days a week, and I can make rent in one of those days. Amazing. Yes. In New York. Yes. That's fascinating. Yes. So, like, so, and the beauty of it is then I've got. And I can imagine this job doesn't have much stress to it. No, it has zero stress, stress to yeah, it, except a... other than kicking right, piece right, of shit right, Belgians right. Well, out. Yeah, there's no perfect job. No, but, but uh, no, it's it's. I've never been less stressed in my life. Yeah. When I was a corporate events planner, I was a stress case. When I was in advertising, I was a stress case. I wish I went to college, I got my degree, and came straight to New York and started bartending at 22 because right now I know I would own four or five other bars. Wow. Yeah, I know that, but I didn't. But no thing to regret. Yeah. But uh, no regrets. No, no. I no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just was straight yeah, across yeah, yeah. the chest. <laughs> classic, classic, classic. Uh, also, speaking of these Belgians, it just makes me think. I ha sometimes I feel like I could predict the future, and I feel like. Soon at your bar, there's going to be two Belgian people that walk in and they're going to be so nice that it offsets these other Belgian people. And then you'll be like, okay, Belgian, um, it's not, yeah, they're not that bad. They're not that bad until another, another set of Belgians come in and who knows what'll happen then. But yeah. I think it's because they were Walloons and you know, I'm Flemish for life. No yeah. Walloons in this place. Actually, that was actually bordering on a hate crime <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah yeah for the 14 people uh of belgian descent listening i am sorry for bringing up the centuries old walloon <laughs> flemish uh conflict yeah 
What do you think of the waffles, though? Waffles are great. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> waffles are awesome. All right, I'm looking at some of these next questions. Sure, hit me up, Jeremy. Let's do this. Well, speaking of bartending, the Sizzle Reel gang right here, they were curious, what's the most annoying drink order that people order, and why is it so annoying? Um, The most annoying drink order is the cocktail in which you don't actually know what's in it. Not me, that you don't know what's in it. I uh, they like can I get what's a, the one with it's like kind of sweet yeah but a can sour. I get the <laughs> can I get the or you know there there's all these bespoke cocktails the out there sour ginger yeah yeah exactly yeah uh, can I get the 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 chupacabra and I'm like that's I don't think that's one but okay what's in it oh, I don't know some guy made it and it was nice I'm like well then I can't make it yeah. for you also I'm not googling it because. That takes my time away from everyone else, so yeah. I'll come back to you. Maybe you would like, let me guess, far, four, three, two, one. Oh, you still went with Tito's soda. Extra lime, please. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. But, no, um, the most annoying drink to make is the one that you don't know okay. what's in it. And then Tito's soda with extra lime. No, no, no. Oh, oh. please. Oh, the markup on those are insane. What's I, your I drink of order? What if you Guinness. Were... Ooh, Guinness. Yes, I drink Guinness. I drink Guinness. That's a heavy one, no? What, so what okay, is it, what is let it, me, Jeremy, let me, let, me, uh, let me take you to school here yeah, on let me, Guinness. Because okay, for me, okay, I, I don't know that much about beer yeah. besides I'm from Pennsylvania and Yingling is like the Pennsylvanian beer. The so oldest extinct existing uh, brewery in the country. If I'm at a bar, my favorite cheap beer is Miller High Life. High Life's and great. I love a good High Life. And if I'm feeling something a little a little different, I, I like a Allagash White. We we I, we sell a lot of Allagash White. That yeah. is my summer beer of choice. I've got two summer beers, which is Allagash White. I love that, but only one or two of them. Yeah. And uh, Kronbacher Pilsner. But uh, yeah. other than that, I'm Guinness. And then if I if I'm drinking, I like you know I like whiskey on the rocks. Like depending, it it depends on what I'm in the mood for. Okay, so but, everything you just listed has higher alcohol content and higher calories than a pint of Guinness. Really? Yes. Oh. A pint. What of- about Tito Soda though, with extra lime? Uh, okay, Not except for the bad. Tito soda, <laughs> except for the Tito soda. But every beer that you listed, the Allagash White, my Kronbacher, the High Life, those have higher ABV and higher caloric con- content than Guinness. If Guinness is only several calories more than what we would call a light beer, a 16-ounce bottle of Bud Light comes in at, I think, 110 calories. Okay. 16 ounces of Guinness. Now, we pour Guinness in Imperials, which is 20 ounces, but 16 ounces of Guinness comes in at, like, 140 calories. That Allagash is, like, 300 calories. Oh, damn. Yeah. So Guinness is almost a light beer. And also, Guinness is only 4.1%. All the rest of these things we're listing are all 5.5s or higher. I stand very corrected. I didn't... I. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever ordered a Guinness at a bar. Okay. Maybe that has to do with their advertising. Maybe yes. they need better advertising. Or, but you're advertising for them right now. So tell me more about Guinness because I might order it as my next drink okay. later tonight. So never drink a Guinness at a bar 
that you don't see someone else drinking a Guinness at, specifically mm. in an imperial pint glass. Now, How do I know when someone's drinking a Guinness? Are they drinking a Guinness if it says Guinness on their cup? Because I feel like a lot of Guinnesses are served in one of those cups. Is it in? I don't know what they're called. It's, it's an imperial. It's an okay. imperial. Uh, yeah, it's like in. Yeah, yeah it's whenever, a Guinness glass. Right, right. Yeah, it's a Guinness glass. So never drink a Guinness. If you, if you don't see someone drinking Guinness from a proper Guinness pint, do not drink Guinness at that bar. Mm. The reasoning is Guinness is very finicky, and you got to clean your Guinness lines a lot, and Guinness should be on a separate nitro system, not the regular carbonation that the other beer is on. And if someone is serving Guinness in pint glass with the proper two-part pour, it means they care for their Guinness beer lines. If they're pouring their Guinness in a straight glass, a straight 16-ounce pint glass, they probably don't care for – in fact, they probably don't care for their beer lines full stop if they're pouring Guinness incorrectly. Huh. So all of the two-point pour – like Guinness has this famous two-point pour where you pour it, you let it settle, and then you top really? it off with a head. Yes, that's all huh. marketing mumbo-jumbo. But at the same time, it's the hallmark – of an establishment that cares for their Guinness and therefore probably cares for— Is that all for the visuals, though, or does that actually make a a difference in the drinking experience? It makes makes no difference in the taste of the beer whatsoever. It comes from the fact that when Guinness was first uh, invented in 1759 up until the 1940s— I feel like I'm talking to a Jeopardy winner. Yeah, right? Well, who's a bartender? (laughs) It's poured out of casks, which is a manual pump. Uh Pump, pump pump and then you have to let it settle after world war ii there was a surplus of uh of available metal so guinness started pressure kegging their their pints and then the bars started just pouring it straight holy shit it's pressurized we could just pour it straight well all the old heads said that doesn't look the way that it used to i'm not drinking it this newfangled contraption i, I want it to be the old pumpy style way so they invented the two point two-part pour to simulate as if it were pulled from a manual cask in pre-pressurized eras. That said, it's all marketing mumbo-jumbo, but it does make for a cool visual. It is amazing branding, and also it's indicative and a hallmark uh, and a bellwether of whether the beer place that you're at takes care of their beer and takes care of their lines. So it's like... uh, I'm going to pay attention to this. Yeah, what is it? What is it? It's like... um, Oysters. If they find oysters in an oceanic uh, environment, you can tell that the rest of the water is going to be healthy just because of the existence of oysters because they're very so finicky. So are you claiming that Guinness beers are the oysters? Of a bar. O- oysters yeah. are to the sea as Guinness yeah. is to the bar. <laughs> yes, exactly. I like that. Yes. And also, Guinness goes really well with oysters. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it Ooh. does. Yeah. I go to this oyster bar sometimes. I'm going to look around when I go there next time, see if they're slinging out any Guinnesses. Well, and if they are, I'm going to have a Guinness with my oyster, and I'm going to give you a call. Well, regardless, say, you're going to come by the bar, and I'm going to pour you a proper pint. Actually, you know what? You're going to come by. Do you have oysters, too, at your bar? No, we don't even have food. That's oh. the other thing that's amazing is about it, working. Is it BYOO? A B- yeah, B- yeah, it's BYOO. Bring, okay. bring your own oysters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Actually, I'm you know gonna, what? I'm you gonna come go by. This, I'm going to go to my oyster bar. I'm going to get some oysters. I'm going to bring the oysters Boom. to your bar. And I'm gonna, extra for you. And I'm going to teach you how to pint pour a pint of Guinness. Okay, the double pour? Yeah. Done. Done. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next question, which is from Bushwick Moods. 
I'm we're a, going back to I'm trivia. I'm in a Bushwick mood. Yeah, we are in a Bushwick mood right now. And back we're in going a Bushwick to... mood. <laughs> back in a Bushwick mood. Hey. <laughs> um, what was the process of getting Jeopardy like? What made you want to? Tr- I guess I asked that already. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I read the wrong question. Ah. Do you ever study trivia? I it's actually part like of yeah. my job. So, oh, so yeah, because you're always practicing for. It well, by. also, like, I bartend three nights a week, right? Mm-hmm. But it's trivia only one night a week. And so, but to the, practice for trivia, you just do a lot of trivia. There's no writing there's trivia no way to practice because you have no idea what answers you're gonna. Yeah, do, right? it's it's accumulation. So, writing trivia is a great way to practice for trivia. Going to other people's trivia is a great way to practice for trivia. Watching back episodes of trivia games is a great way to practice for trivia, and that's a fun way. That's you're making your practice fun. Uh, now, yeah. I'm always in practice because yeah, I bartend three days a week. But the other four days, I host corporate trivia events. Uh, the, during the pandemic, I moved my analog pen and paper kind of corporate trivia event to Zoom, and I will host three to five corporate trivia events a week for Google or Peloton or Northwestern Mutual or whatever. Uh, and I've got a home studio. I've got a full uh, video graphics suite. I custom write questions for you and your company, awesome. and then I'll get on a Zoom with a hundred people and I'll quiz them. Uh, so so I'm you all... come up with a lot of these questions. You don't Google them or anything. It's like you just well, no, just you have whatever... to Google to oh. verify the question. Uh, but right, yes, right, right, right. But yes. Just are a lot of them, most of them, just from whatever's happening in our current culture environment or is it like do you go back in time and try to so that is a curious thing i have a book coming out called the ultimate book of pub quiz by the smartest guy in the bar uh (laughs) by workman publishing it comes out in uh january and after that exciting whoa oh yeah oh no i'm doing a 20 city tour with it Oh, yeah. incredible. Yeah, I'm, I've got seven television appearances to promote this book. And 20 cities, we're doing a brewery tour. Are you going to Alaska or Hawaii Is any of those cities? Damn, Alaska and Hawaii aren't cities, but yes. Um, <laughs> or any I, cities within those states. I want to go to Alaska and Hawaii because they're not on my list. I'm going to talk to the publisher about that one. Um, sidetracked. Oh, so I'm always writing trivia. Uh, and the curious thing that you just said, keep it current, keep it stuff like that. Two things. That's not trivia. And also it's usually depressing. So you got to wait for some time to pass for two. You got to wait for some time to pass for a newsworthy event to become trivia and also not become a hot button. Also, you got to let time pass because that thing in the zeitgeist right now might not have staying power. Mm. I can't ask about right. a Normani hit that's on the airwaves right now because only the people who listen to Normani will know that. But I can ask something about a Taylor Swift hit from 11 years ago. Right. Now that has entered in the realm of trivia. Gotcha. You should know this. Yeah. But I can't ask about uh, – a, a Troy Sivan. I can't even say his last name. Do you know who Troy Sivan is? Yeah, I'm. I, I know yeah. the name. Yeah, I so can't a ask singer. A, yeah, Australian singer. Yeah, I can't yeah. ask a question about him right now. Yeah, I actually, funny story about him. I, 
I almost got flown out to Australia once to photograph him. To shoot him? Yeah. Oh, wow. But it, it fell through. But I was really excited to go to Australia oh, for a shoot. Oh, man. That would have been cool. Yeah. Troy, if was, you're listening, uh, Jeremy Jeremy will take you up on that shooting yeah. offer. I was shooting before before COVID. I was shooting a whole series for Aloft Hotels um, where they would have at Aloft Hotels around the world. It was called the Homecoming Tour, and they would have artists from – whatever town their hotel was in like no matter how big they are if there's if it's like where they grew up or where they became an artist um they would have them perform like a small like private concert at their hotel so i went around a couple different places and photographed artists uh perform one was actually in dubai where we were talking about before one was in mexico one was in la um and then one was in australia and the, the artist was was uh, troy sivan troy sivan but uh they ended up going with another photographer for that one. Unfortunately, I was Aww. yeah. He looked really. He seemed really cool, and I wanted to. F- I, I mostly just wanted to go to Australia. Oh man! Well, hey, but, that's cool. You got like two thirds of the gig, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. unfortunately, you missed out on the Australia hey, part, but can't win them all. But yeah, but yeah, that's a pr- um, that's a that. By the way, that's a pretty cushy shooting gig right there, isn't that? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was the best part. I mean, the best part about it were the people that I was working with were so awesome. And, like, I just love being able to travel for work, specifically in places that are just unfamiliar to me. Yeah. So, yeah. My, my, my cheat code to life is, to my life specifically, since I love traveling, is whenever I get shoots that are travel gigs, instead of, you know, going there, doing the shoot, and coming back, I, I'm a freelancer, so mm-hmm. I there's your time. I will almost always just get the return flight a couple days, a week later, and then you know it's like whatever the shoot is, it's very likely there. Part of it is they're comping the flight, so it's almost like after the shoot is done, it's like I have a vacation in whatever place I'm in, but I'm not paying for like one of the most expensive parts, which is the flight. Right. So and also you just you worked your ass off, and, yeah, now and I just you, want a vacation right and, afterwards. And now, yeah. well, now I'm getting the fruits of my labor. Yeah. Not going to spend it all, but I'm going to spend some of totally. it that I just made. Totally, yeah. Totally. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what. Well, that's what I'm going to try to do. With the uh, with the book tour, there you go. that's what I want to do. So you got to make sure some of those dates are exactly you know, a little bit apart. Exactly, so you don't have to go back to back. Yeah. So cool. Um, let's go on to the next question, which is from at Bill Waters underscore. What is the easiest question you've ever answered on Jeopardy? Also, on top of that, I'm going to ask a follow up question. I'm going to ask it again, but I'll ask it right now. So, what's the easiest question? But also, what is the what is a question that you didn't answer on Jeopardy that you're still kind of kicking yourself for that you wish you would have? Oh, all right. I know. I know. So first let's do what's the easiest question you I mean, does that come to mind? Is there one? No, that was just because like- the easy ones are they're in and out. They're in and out immediately. I would say. Um, so what's the question? No, that you but would- I would say I, I, I have an example for Bill Waters slash underscore backslash dot 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 HTTP <laughs> colon colon. S. Uh, S. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, we need HTTPS. Yeah, yeah, we need the we need the secure one. Um, I, I, I in the tournament of champions. Both of my heart, the one that I regret and the easiest one. The same thing happened, except I did not replicate it. Uh, it was my quarterfinal or semifinal. I don't remember in the tournament of champions. Uh-huh. And the category comes up and it goes, boom, 
for Final Jeopardy goes boom, and Alex goes, the category for Final Jeopardy is the boom, vice presidents. And I go, it's Hannibal Hamlin. I'm done. I know it. And, you know, the who's, the, wait, who's Hannibal Hamlin? Who have vice president? Yes. So the crew comes out and they take your wager. So during the commercial break between Final Jeopardy, the commercial break happens. You write your wager down. They say, "Are you sure?" They lock it in. You get some more makeup. You they put up the dividers. They give you your light pen and yada yada yada. And I go, Vice President Ham- Hannibal Hamlin, and it goes. This vice president comes from a town. Uh, that allegorically had a rodent infestation. And I go, yep, Hannibal Hamlin. Boom, I write it down. Got it right. One, advanced. Hannibal Hamlin was one of Abraham Lincoln's vice presidents. One of his vice presidents? Yes. He had multiple vice presidents? Well, the second one was Andrew Johnson, who succeeded mm-hmm. him after his assassination. Okay, yeah. So Hannibal Hamlin was one of uh, Lincoln's vice presidents. And he's sort of a trivia go-to thing. It's just Hannibal Hamlin. Funny name. I'll remember that, right? And uh, so I called it. And uh, the Pied Piper played the flute to take the mice out of his city, and his city was Hamlin. So this vice president descended from a family that lived in a city that once had an allegorical rodent infestation. Wow. Pied Piper of Hamlin, Hannibal Hamlin, done. But I called it long before the clue. Yeah, but wait, I'm about to say, because was this the easiest question you ever answered? That was, because I answered it before I got the question. But you didn't, someone answered it before you? No, I answered it before. Oh, I, was about, I thought there was a little, you were, you were wording it, so it was a little No, 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 okay, no. So that was, the category came up, vice presidents. I put my wager down, I said in my head, Hannibal Hamlin. Then the clue was presented, and the answer was Hannibal Hamlin. I was already ready. All gotcha. I had to do is write what I already thought of long before the clue. Okay, because I thought that was one you were kicking yourself for. So I was no, 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 like, no. That was my... Yeah, that was my, so I was like, oh, wait, did you answer it too soon or something? That was uh, my... Nailed it. Okay, well, that's incredible, because that's a question that would not come easy to 99.9999 people living today, so... That's really cool. Um, I I just learned something new that Hannibal Hamlin, which is an incredible name, was mm-hmm. the vice president mm-hmm. to Abraham Lincoln, and also that's a from, badass name. That's right? a really badass name. <laughs> you want to? I, I, we should we should start calling our arms that. I mean, if I become a rapper, I think that might be my rap name. Hey, that's a good one, Hannibal Hamlin, or or a boxer. You ready to meet my Ooh. left and my right, Hannibal and Hamlin? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's good too. Damn, a, what if it's a so what if what if it's a uh, hybrid boxer and rapper? Boxer and rapper. Yeah, I think Evander Holyfield had a rap album. Probably, Did he? I don't know. Oh, gotta oh, check it maybe. out. <laughs> um. So what? Speaking of that, what is a question that you wish you 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 knew you could have got, but you're like kicking yourself for? Flash forward mm-hmm. to the next round, the finals, Just the next round, the next round, which Same. would which would be right after lunch, mm. the finals. Do you remember what you ate for lunch that day? Uh, let's see. It was at the Sony Canteen in Culver City. Uh, the food there was sort of good, but I usually just had a sandwich. Okay, so I you probably had a had, sandwich. I okay. probably had a turkey sandwich, probably on marble rye. I just, I just need to know what gives you that brain feel yeah. to so for Jeopardy. The finals of the finals of tournaments in Jeopardy are two legs, aggregate score over two days. So that will be Thursday and Friday. The taping structure means Thursday and Friday are the two episodes filmed after lunch. You film five episodes a day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, lunch break, Thursday, Friday, right? So the tournament would be two days, 
to actual days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the tournament. Thursday, Friday, the tournament. That's the whole first week of the tournament in day one. And then day two will be the semifinals and finals. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right? Um... I'm playing against Alan Lynn and Buzzy Cohen, two of my now friends who I just met at lunch. Because hey, my, I... my uncle Buzzy. What's that? My uncle Buzzy. Wait, for real? No. Oh, it's okay. Just, <laughs> it's a common last name. What could I say? No, Cohen's not a common last name. It's in a the, common last in, name. In, in the it's East like, Coast. In the East Coast. A, Coast. No, I'm for, Jew, for Jewish I, people, it's I'm a common joking. last name. I'm joking. It's a very oh, common damn, last name. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm from fine, Westchester. Fair, fair. I grew, up in a, I grew up in a town with no other Jewish people. Oh, so okay. Oh, yeah, no, no. Like, I didn't know any Cohen's until I moved here, and I still don't know that many Cohen's. I just know of a lot of Oh, no, no. There was here at Cohen. There at Cohen everywhere. So, Buzzy at Cohen, not my uncle. Anyway, So. Uh, I actually shanked both of my final Jeopardies on that. One of them, I crossed off the correct answer and rewrote it as a wrong answer. And because uh, I overthought it, uh, the clue was uh, released a decade ago. This invention was called too cumbersome, too clunky, and too large. And I thought uh, iPhone. And I crossed iPhone out and wrote iPad. It was okay. iPhone. Oh. Got it wrong. Damn. Next round, I'm in second place. And uh, the clue comes up. And it goes, oh, no, sorry. Same thing happens that happens with Hannibal Hamlin. It goes, boom, state capitals. And I go in my head, Dover, Delaware, or Montpelier, Vermont. It's going to be one of those. No, Dover, Santa Fe, New Mexico. No, nope, it's Dover, Delaware, or Montpelier, Vermont. And then during the commercial break, while you're doing your wager and they're doing your makeup and they're giving you a new microphone and stuff like that, I start going through every state capital, north to south, east to west. Uh-huh. By the time the clue comes up, I'm on the west coast mentally in my head, uh-huh. and the clue comes up and goes, Founded in 1804, and I go, shit, I'm on the West Coast. I got to get back. So I mentally go back to the East Coast. Like, founded in 1804, this state capital's first four letters are the final four letters of its state name. Do, 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 Montpelier? Do, do. Montpelier. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Shanked it. Mm. Shanked it, shanked it, shanked it. Do you know what that cost me? How much did it cost? Two hundred thousand dollars. Oh God! Because if I had gotten that right, no. If I had gotten that right, I would have been first place, not third place. Yeah. And I would have gotten two hundred fifty thousand dollars instead. I got fifty thousand dollars. Hey, still, still a good payday. Hey, hey, what do you know? It's like yeah. So you know what I did? I you uh, open a bar with your friends so you could drink with them until it. No, I rented a Mercedes-Benz S-Class and drove, drove across the country. No, drove to Montpelier, Vermont, swore at the state capitol, and turned around oh and drove God. back. <laughs> Literally savage. Yeah, mm-hmm. got in the car, drove, said "fuck you, Montpelier, Vermont," and turned around oh, and no. drove back. That's incredible. It's on my YouTube. It's actually really fun. Okay. My buddy, one of my, it's, it's two minutes long because it's just me driving up, yelling at Montpelier and driving hey, back down again. that gives you some closure to the situation. It did. Was, it felt know, very yeah. therapeutic. And by yeah. the way, Montpelier, uh, it's, the, it's the country's smallest state capital. 
It's like 3,000 people. That's an interesting fact right there. Yeah. Well, hey, if they gave me that clue, I would have gotten it. Yeah. Do you have any memorable moments with Alex Trebek? And what was it like meeting him? The meeting him, you don't actually ever meet him. Uh, the first time he arrives on stage is the first time he arrives on stage. Mm. So all of your green room stuff, all your prep work, all your legal work, all your wardrobe, all your makeup, all your microphones, all your rehearsals, all your testing the signals, all of your sitting in the audience and waiting for it to happen. The first time you meet Alex Trebek is the first time it goes this is Jeopardy and our returning champion and your host, Alex Trebek. The first time you ever see him is the first time he walks out. That's kind of cool because then you get the reactions from the contestants like you that you're like, you're a little starstruck. Yeah, I am. I was not, but you can tell that other people were. Do you wish you would have met him before? Um, no, no, no. I think the way that that worked was, was the proper mechanism because also, when you were doing the rehearsal earlier in the mor- morning, because they wanted to have everyone be acclimatized to the buzzer and the system and be on stage and see what the For lights sure. are like, blah, 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 blah. Because if you're Felicia, the a librarian from Topeka, this is a big fucking deal. Yeah. You're on stage in Los Angeles. For everyone, it's a big deal. With an audience. Yeah, but but – we're New Yorkers. Some people need to get acclimated more than others. We're sort of – our lives sort of are a stage, yeah. you know? Like, Yeah, sometimes we forget it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been a musician. I've been in symphony orchestras since I was whatever years old. Right. I've been a stand-up comedian. I've played singer-songwriter acts. I've hosted trivia for 15 years. I, I am – wire myself with my own microphones yeah. right so like i was <laughs> You're an a ev- podcaster now i'm a podcaster i was an events planner so all of these x factors i'm literally friends with actual celebrities who to me are just normal people yeah. right but for felicia the librarian from topeka kansas this is the x factor and that's one of the x factors of jeopardy which is how can you surmount that so when alex comes out it could be one of three feelings. It could be, okay, the rehearsal was fun, but now it's showtime, game face on. It could be, uh, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. Or it could be, oh my God, I am so nervous. There are cameras with lights on. There's an audience of 100, and that's Alex Trebek, and you freeze up and yeah. you lock up. And it's unfortunate, but you see people who freeze up and lock up. Luckily, the team of producers and everyone around Jeopardy are the loveliest, friendliest, most supportive people on earth because they say to you again and again and again, we want you to win. When you win, we're happy and everyone's happy. We want you to win. So they'll come out and they'll give someone a shoulder massage (laughs) and they'll be like, they'll be like, relax, relax. It's just a game and you're going to do well. Don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. But then you get into like the buzzer spiral of shame where you can't get your timing right. And then you're concentrating so hard on getting your timing right that once you finally get your timing right. By the way, I'm memeing frenetically, frenetically the miming of a Jeopardy signaling buzzer. And then you get your timing right. And then he calls on you and you've locked up. Because you've been concentrating all of your brain power on just getting Mm. your timing right. And then you finally get it. And he goes, Jeremy. And you go, I have no idea. And then it just gets worse. 
So you never actually really meet Alex Trebek until you are a multiple returning champion. And then. So, how do... many times did it take? You've won 12 times in a row. 12, correct? yes. So, d- when did you ha- you've met him, I'm assuming. I've been to his house. Oh. I interviewed him for my podcast oh. at his home office. Incredible. Yes, we talked about home improvement, carpentry, car collecting, and the Yorkshire Moors. Wow. We talked about everything but Jeopardy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I bought a car today. What did you buy? Well,. I bought a car, but it was actually a photo of a car, oh. and it was an NFT. You bought an NFT of a car? An okay, NFT okay, today. okay. All right. Well, we won't even get into no, this. No, 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 this no, 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 no. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I just, before we move on, I'm I'm curious about the NFT thing, but I'm more curious of what car was it an NFT of? I'm a car nut. So I actually, it, it happened very quickly, and I bought the car that looked the best. I've never bought a car. I, I don't really drive. I don't know what this car model was, but it was from the 60s, I believe. And it's, I'll show you a photo. Yeah. After this okay. We got it. We got to take a look at it. Well, let me show you a photo right okay, now. Yeah. See if you can I wanna, name it off the I top. I just, I just thought it was the coolest. Because well, I, I am an aspiring car collector. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. With those pointy lights. It's very pointy front. at the end. Well, the, and I'm not the front. looking at the end. I'm looking oh. at the fact that it's got the, uh, Frontward sloping, uh, it looks like. Can yeah, I see this closer? Grab it. Oh, and look at that. I just like. The oh wait. Co- okay. 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 Uh, ooh, I don't know about that. That hood ornament. Is this in Cuba? I believe it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why this is making it really mm-hmm. hard. This is a 1950s American car. Yeah, this is in from Cuba. Yeah, so this is from my friend Dave Krugman, who's a friend of this podcast as well. He just released his set of a hundred car photos that he's been shooting this series of just walking by iPhone photos of uh-huh. cars. Of yeah, just like cars at this angle. By the way, this is exactly how I shoot my cars. I go on bike really? rides just to spot cars. Oh wow! Oh yeah! Oh no! I'm a huge. I car gotta guy. send you this series. This yeah. Is, uh, so so he released 100 photos of these cars um they're different tiers this was in the first tier and it just like it just spoke to me the most out of the other cars and i don't know and dave's been so busy today this is the one i happened to get today so dave's been so busy today but i i gotta ask him the model or figure it out the hood ornament is making me think packard but the upward sloping front headlights is making me think either Dodge or DeSoto. DeSoto was a sub brand of Dodge. Oh, wow! At the time, uh, but that hood ornament doesn't look like it belongs on that car. But if it is on that car, it might very well be like a '53 Packard, maybe a '56 Packard, right before Packard went under. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll have to both look into this and figure. It, I'll look into it and try to figure it out and let you know. I will. But, I no. I'm down. I'm, I'm, also, I'm going to send you this series. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. I got to buy a new car. By the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but anyways, I, okay. What are we talking? I, about? Yeah. What were we talking? Okay. So Alex Trebek. So, I've been to his house. Yes, you've yes. been to his house. Interviewed cool. him. So how many times did it take before you won? Twelve times. Yes. When did you actually get to meet him and talk to him after how many wins? Uh, basically when I when my run was over he came out and we did some press materials together in knowing full well that i was the number one of that season so i would have been uh going to the tournament of champions and then in the tournament of champions as i spill my chardonnay don't tell anyone i'm drinking chardonnay don't tell anyone i'm drinking chardonnay that is a 
bartender foul right there. Oh, no. uh, you, if you are a one-and-done contestant, you never actually meet Alex Trebek other than your chit-chat on stage mm-hmm. where he goes, oh, it yeah, says yeah. here you're a photographer. And once you uh, went to Dubai, tell us how that is. And you yeah. go, blah, blah, blah. That would be your only time if you're one and done. Even if you won maybe four or five, you probably would not meet him outside of circumstance. Only when you go to the tournament of champions. And then I was also fortunate enough to be selected for the all-time all-stars tournament. Oh, nice. And that was when you really get to meet yeah. him because we were on stage with him. We were doing interviews. There was this live draft thing, yada, yada, yada. Cool. Um, so and was he great? He's the greatest. That's he was the greatest. So he's he, the greatest he lit- man of all time. Wow. Like, so, oh, by the you way, here first. He's hold says, on, hold on. Actually, I gotta say this. Uh, he likes Chardonnay, Alex. Um, uh, Alex, I'm, I'm drinking Chardonnay right now. So, uh, here you go, buddy. This one's for you because <laughs> <laughs> Chardonnay was his of choice. Interesting. I'm getting choked up. What the fuck? Damn it, Jeremy. I wasn't planning on this. Hey, cheers to Alex. Yeah, cheers to Alex. Clink, clink. It's a Chardonnay, Alex. So your best. So after meeting him a couple times and everything, what's your what's your best memory of him? Um, the best memory, the best memories that are personal are like you know just good little interactions. But I want to the best thing about him was his his joy of everyone associated with Jeopardy. So, like I said earlier, there are two sessions per taping you tape five episodes a day monday tuesday wednesday lunch break thursday friday the morning session the afternoon session have two separate audiences during that interval where i said you're making your wager and you're getting your makeup and you're getting your microphone on uh and the contestants are being well attended to to prep them for the next round alex is doing crowd work so he's out there in the audience asking them questions and being on set for as long as I have, you hear the same questions over and over again pitched at Alex, which means he's heard the exact same questions for 37 years. 37 years he's heard, what's your favorite hockey team? Do you miss Canada? Uh, and I've heard these questions. Those are the ones that come up a lot. Who was your favorite contestant ever? Was there any, uh, what was the toughest question you ever read? And every single time he'd give the same exact answer, but never like, uh, it would be like, well, you know, I am from uh, outside Toronto. So I grew up as the Maple Leafs fan, but you know, moving in LA, I had to follow the Kings, but I've got a soft spot in my heart for the Washington Capitals. (laughs) Next question, by the way, two and a half hours later, he will say that again with the same level of enthusiasm because he goes, this is, this is these people's only time on the Jeopardy set. They're never coming back here again. I don't care if they're saying the same questions again. I got to make their time worth it. I want to make this memorable. And that was how he was. So um, when I went to record him at his house for his podcast, he was obviously, uh, he was still sick at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And he opens the door and uh, 
he's like, hey, Austin, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, no, oh, I feel I feel so bad intruding. He's like, no, it's fine. And I go, all right, we're starting the podcast. And he goes, all right, everyone, hello, welcome. <laughs> and lights are on, oh, wow. camera's rolling, blah, 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 blah. And that's, that is a professional. That is yeah. like... And you know the thing, I don't know, maybe you're familiar with this. You're in a shitty mood and you have to go do that thing. Like I don't, sometimes I'm just don't want to fucking host trivia or sometimes I don't want to go do a stand-up set. Yeah. But then you amp yourself up into it and you put on a false laugh and false bravado and it actually becomes real and it actually amps you up. That's what Alex Trebek was like. He'd power down. And he would be like, oh, is he going to be like disappointed and snarky? But then, boom, full fire and, and his, his energy and enthusiasm was, was uh, contagious. That's and, really cool. And yeah, yeah. So he's, he, he's human. He's just human. like everyone else. Yeah, but he powers down. But when he has to power up. He will. Job to be done. Contestants to entertain. He wants to make other people, people. feel special. Yes, too. and he and he always did. You even always when felt- even when he's like going through everything he's going through and, and has said these qu- answers over and over again, he'll yeah. still make the effort. That's, you that's you ask me that question, I'm gonna make you feel that yeah. special. Uh, and then also, fucking funny ass guy. Funny yeah. ass guy. He's like, got jokes. Oh, he's got jokes. Uh, but the the best is uh, the best is when he just digs digs into contestants when they uh when they either say something stupid or when they have a uh uh a particularly obscure like little chat chat tidbit like yeah. huh that's curious and yeah. i'll move on i'm like oh he <laughs> thinks you're a weirdo <laughs> that's awesome well one more time cheers for alex mm-hmm. step away from the chardonnay so speaking of Jeopardy, right before we get to the end section, which is the trivia section. Um, so there's been a lot of news happening in Jeopardy recently. There is, Has there? There's been a couple, yeah. of, a couple, a couple little headlines. There's a couple little headlines. A little thing here and there. So like, you know, there's been new temporary hosts here and there, mm-hmm. but they want to lock down, it seems like a host for good mm-hmm. and they recently decided on this guy who I'm not familiar with until they named his name Mike Richards but then right after that he stepped down because of this thing that happened in the past or something um, and now they're I guess I, I don't even know where it's at right now are they're are they looking for a new a new uh, as of right now um, Mayim Bialik and uh, Ken Jennings will be co-hosting duties for the forthcoming season. Okay. Uh, and I think that is a very good choice. And I think this whole late unfortunateness of, uh, you know, this this uh, error in judgment uh, will be completely forgotten. Yeah. Once, what's, so what's what's your personal opinion on anything, everything that's happened with uh, this whole it Jeopardy just, debacle. It just it just seems like somewhere in it, it probably is it too far in the Me Too movement and no or, no or is no it, no or it is seems, it rightfully so that um, no it seems more um, it seems more giant corporate inertia 
wherein um, if a smaller or more nimble organization were to undertake a massive retrofitting of their legacy property, they probably would have not let certain things fall through the cracks, but in a massive corporate machine like Sony Pictures, uh, it seems like something was lost in translation. They made an incorrect choice, uh, and after that was pointed out to them, they quickly and correctly rectified it. And I think the any unpleasantness that happened in the prior months will be quickly washed away. Kind of like that one million second game show. No one remembers it. <laughs> yeah, no one remembers it. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of read the headline of of what the uh, guy who stepped down did. I I can't even remember, but I I just know it was from something he did like ten years prior or said, which was something. Not, yeah, not it was good. No, and it was also uh, it was also not a climate good. of toxicity that yeah. uh, that was uh, both alleged and substantiated through uh, certain. I guess my my question is though, because like from from my perspective, not knowing much about how they were picking the host. It was the executive producer that picked himself to be the host. Is that what happened? So that was or, one of the things that was because that, that that's what seemed that was the one of the things that to came me. to light yeah. in this whole what I'm. Uh, they interviewed all the they went through all these different people that they you know apparently you know Bert, right Lumber what I'm describing to yeah. corporate inertia the, right. the okay. audition process seemed to have been filtered. It was like fake. Yeah, it seemed to have been filtered through a very small lens uh, and filtered uh, upward through a very small lens, wherein the total landscape wasn't adequately portrayed uh, and the other guest hosts maybe did not get their fair portrayal in whatever sizzle reels were delivered. Hey, shout out Uh, sizzle reel. uh, (laughs) Wait, sizzle reel a person too? No, sizzle reel is... uh, right here we have a so- podcast called Sizzle Reel. Oh, game. you do! So, Hi, yeah, Sizzle so. Reel. I love Sizzle <laughs> you just, Reels. You just name dropped it, so I had to, oh, I I had like, to give a little shout I out. I like live and die by Sizzle Reels. Like everything, my, my ad career was Sizzle Reels. My current career is Sizzle Reels. Everything's Sizzle Reels. Yeah. Sizzle Reels. Um, yeah. Hey, man. They lived, they learned, they live, laugh, love. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, the Chardonnay's kicking in. No, they, uh, they, they made a mistake. They made an error in judgment, and uh, they swiftly and correctly and adequately, I feel, addressed it and corrected it. And now they are moving forward with a, you know, sort of a two-forked, a two-pronged approach of having two hosts, which I think will— I think that's good. I think that'll work because— Because we're not going to get another Alex Trebek. We're we're not. And as Alex always said— I'm not the star of Jeopardy. You are. The The contestants mm-hmm. are the star and the content is the star. And, yo, let's be honest. Name another quiz show that is 60 freaking questions in 22. So, sorry, 61 questions are delivered in 22 minutes. Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of this, like... I am Regis Philbin. Do you have to think about if it's A, B, C, or D? Well, you know, Regis, once I was on vacation in Amsterdam. We, just, we, just, so, we do love dunking uh, on Wheel of Fortune here. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. By the way, the wheel, freaking hard to spin. Ooh. Because Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune share a stage. 
Uh, but not share a stage. They're on the same lot right next to each other, and they're both executive produced by the same company. So when Jeopardy has after parties, after tournaments, it's on the Wheel of Fortune stage. So do you want to know one of the most exciting moments on Earth when you have roughly, I'm going to say, $12 million in Jeopardy winners in one room and a sign that says, do not spin the wheel. Do you know how anxious everyone gets because everyone wanted to spin so spent, the wheel? You span it. You spun it. We span it. Eventually, when the party started, they came in and they took the sign off the wheel and they said, you guys want to spin the wheel? Oh, wow. And you see, you see, by the way, Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter and Buzzy Cohen and all these A-list alpha Julia Collins, alpha level Jeopardy champions be like, Yo, you want to go spin the wheel? Yeah, we want to go spin the wheel. That was so exciting. I spun the wheel. So here's how you spin the wheel, by the way. You do not pull it. You lock your elbow and you push it across your body because that's how heavy it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't pull it like this. You put your elbow at a right angle in front of your stomach. You lean down and then you use your shoulder uh-huh. and your weight to push it so it's like across a golf your swing body. Almost. It's like a golf swing. Yeah. That's how you yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's got injured from spinning that thing. Ooh, it is it is it Imagine is watching Wheel of Fortune and someone goes to spin it and they just tear their shoulder off. <laughs> that would be terrible. Oh, yeah. But you'd make a lot of money with the you know. Yeah. Who's the winner now? You know who's the winner now? Uh, and also that bankrupt thing gets a little bit more relevant, doesn't it? Bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, now that the Chardonnay's kicking in, I think where you should head in this final round, which is the trivia section. Let us do it. All right, so these are some I, – I asked I asked a couple people what is a trivia question I could ask you. So All I, right. I, we, we got a couple trivia questions here. All right, so. so Austin does not know what's coming at him right now. Game let's, face. Let's, let's see if he can Game get them. Game face. First one is from at. Micheletti man. All right, Micheletti man. How many hearts does an octopus have? I think they have four hearts. Is that your final answer? No, this isn't. I'm either right or wrong. Just yeah, tell me. I, I guess that's who wants to yeah. be a millionaire, huh? You are so close, but the answer is three. Three. Nah. All right. And I have no background. I no, wish I could. I wish I could tell you no. right now why it has three hearts. That's but fine, I just Micheletti. have the answer. Micheletti, you got me. Yeah, it was a guess. I was going with three or four, but I right. I went I overshot it. <laughs> Next question from at Shamia. What is the longest running theatrical release in film history? The longest running theatrical release in film history. So that would mean the film that stayed in the theaters the longest. Now, is that cumulative, including re-releases? Because if that's the case, it's most likely gone with the wind. So I don't have any specifics on that but it the answer is not gone with the wind so let me give you another try all right uh let's see i still don't understand context the clue what is not what is the longest running theatrical release in film history also you know what still not written very well yeah (laughs) well hold on hold on let me think also i don't know if this is even correct if shamia if if shamia we just gotta put trust in shamia i put my trust in shamia okay cool uh Okay, so if it's not that, my next guess is going to be it's a Disney animated feature. 
Uh, so I'm going to go with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay, so the answer here is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, okay, no, I'm going to call that one out as <laughs> not being a theatrical release. Those are special one-off events. Uh, Shmia, I have now no longer any faith in you. <laughs> I still stick with, I bet it's gone with the wind because it was released every five or seven years for another year since 1939. All right, if, if you're listening and, to this right now, you got to let us know what you're thinking on this. And Shmia is the number one grossing movie of all time in the history of mankind when adjusted for inflation. It's gone with the wind. So I'm going to go. If it sold that many tickets adjusted for inflation, it's the longest running. Shamia, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> Incredible. You, you might be right, but you're probably wrong. You might be right, but you're probably wrong. All right. The next question is from Stephanie at Stephanie Katharineer. Katharineer? Katharineer. All right, Katharineer. What are the main five political parties in Canada? Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to go. There's, uh, okay, there's a labor. There's a conservative. There's a green. There's, uh, is there a Christian Democratic there? I'm not sure. And um, polar bears and (laughs) uh, Molson Golden and hockey players. Yeah, I mean that that was an incredibly specific question that literally no one I mean how I many did I get? I mean, so there's the Liberal Party, the Conservative Party, the New Democratic Party, the Green Party and the Bloc Quebecois. I don't uh, know Quebecois. I, Quebecois. Bloc, Bloc Quebecois. Bloc Quebecois. Yes, that would be the Quebecois nationalists. Okay. Yes. Uh okay, yeah, I didn't do well on that, but, yeah, but that, was know, a, that was that was that was really problem. specific. Yeah. Also Canada. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Ask us an American question. Yeah. All right. Next question is from – I can't read it. We're just going to ask the question. <laughs> How many spikes are on the crown of the Statue of Liberty? Woo. That – so that is the only trivia question of all of those questions. Actually, the octopus one was too. Uh, Shamia's was really right, – Those uh, other ones were kind of – yeah. This is – that's a legit trivia question. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, but I think I got a good guess. Let's hear it. I'm going with, it was gifted to us by the French in honor of our centennial of independence. It has marked on it 1776 in Roman numerals. I think you got this. 13. It's not. Uh, it is seven. Seven? That makes no sense. Thirteen for thirteen colonies. Fuck you, eighteen seventy six France. God <laughs> damn you, fucking Gustav Eisel, Eisel and uh, Bartolti who designed it. You know what? You guys messed up. Missed opportunity. There's thirteen colonies. We got thirteen <laughs> stripes. It's for our centennial. I thought, I thought you were saying seventeen seventy six. In that year, there was two seven. So I was like, oh, no, you got to know. Yeah. No, I'm gonna go with thirteen. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Oh wait, I, that, you know what that means? What that means? The fucking uh, stupid novelty foam ones are actually correct. They've got seven on them. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I guess the. Yeah. Are but, those still a thing? Yeah, you see them every so okay. often. I, I just haven't been to the Statue of Liberty just, in a while. So. No, I, I usually see them in Times Square. I usually take those people's wallets. Oh, God. Okay, next question is from our producer right here, producer Le- Alexi. What was the most valuable lesson you learned from the run of Jeopardy? That's not a trivia section question. Wait, okay, let's skip that. Well, you know what? Well, well real quick, answer The lesson was in that. our heart. 
What? <laughs> uh, one more time. What was it, Jeremy? I guess Alexi asked, what was the most valuable lesson you learned from the run at Jeopardy? Oh, wow. What was the most valuable lesson that I learned from my run of Jeopardy? You know what it was? It was, uh, I, I know exactly what it was. Let's hear it. Never touch the principal. Wow, I thought you were about to say the contestant next to you. And I was no. like, yeah, that's what I mean. Never touch the principal. <laughs> okay. No matter how much money you make, you don't touch your principal. You still work and you use that money for your day-to-day. That's the most valuable thing I ever learned from Jeopardy. Don't fuck with the money in the bank. Fuck with the money in your pocket. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a great lesson. Yeah. Of course, by the way, uh, the reason I know that is because I fucked with the principal. I'm oh, like, no. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to buy a BMW, bitches. N- not all the way, though, right? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. Just I'm, a little no, bit. No, just a, a little, little bit. bit. Well, like, I'm yeah, like. That's, that's kind of the perfect combination. Well, I, no, you know, I know. There's a little bit. I'm going to fly yeah. first class on ANA to Singapore twice. Okay, yeah. No, those were not cheap, but oh boy, were those great flights. Hey, you yeah. know, YOLO. Yeah, YOLO. YOLO. So. I, I sort of... But also save a little I bit. I sort of YOLO'd. I lived my life half. <laughs> like I think that's the way to do it, because yeah. if you win that money, like... I think you should do, you know, you should spend it a little bit, but also yeah. save a little, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, so it, it sounds yeah. like you did it right, because also you got stories from it. And, I got and stories. stories are key. And also stories got, is the most important. Also, I got art. I bought a lot of art. I supported a lot of artists. That's awesome. And the artists were women, people of color, blah, 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 blah. It was like really like I really wanted like a diverse catalog of art. And I, I love my art collection. That's great. I love my art collection. Amazing. And I love my 1989 Honda. And I love my 1989 Honda. Oh, it's my favorite car ever. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Let's go on to the last trivia question. Oh, so that was section, just a, that was is, just an emotional interlude. Yeah, that was yeah, impo- got it, got exactly. An emotional interlude from yeah. producer Lexi. So this is the last trivia question, which may or may not be an actual trivia question. Where does sand come from? Well, sand is just silica. I mean, what the hell kind of question is that? I mean, okay, so sand is silica, which is a key component in most rocks. It is eroded rock. I mean, that is all sand is, is either eroded by wind, glaciation, or water. Those are the three means of erosion. So, yeah, there's where your sand comes from, dumbass. (laughs) Where, where, what the hell kind of question is that? Well, I mean, his answer for it was no idea, TBH. He just wanted to ask you. He just wanted to ask you. So oh, that's I'm... okay. All right. Well, yes, yes. Uh, wind erosion, water erosion, or glaciation erosion would be the three places that sand would come from because silica is sand and silica is a key component of rocks. So therefore, yeah, sand. Okay. Well, yeah, on that note, shout out silica. Shout out Alex Trubeck and shout out Austin. Thanks for coming on this podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your story in and out all about Jeopardy and bartending and New York City and biking. 
It's been a pleasure talking to you. Any anything you want to say or any things you could plug your podcast? What can we? Yeah, uh, quick plugs, guys. Uh, my podcast will resurrect soon, so you could ignore that. But if you want to listen to back episodes, called A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers on all of your podcast 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 podcast. I was gonna say Spotify and podcast. All of uh, your Spotify and Apple podcast platforms. Uh, if you're ever in New York and you want to stop by my trivia night at Gaff West on Wednesdays at eight o'clock p.m. Or if you want to be part of it on Zoom, you can subscribe on my Instagram account. And finally, my book, uh, The Ultimate Book of Pub Quiz by the Smartest Guy in the Bar, comes out in January. And it's available for pre-order now. And I will be embarking on a 20-city U.S. tour. So hopefully I'll see you in your neck of the woods, Lincoln, Nebraska, you sons of bitches. (laughs) And that right. was that was my plug in my plug voice, by the way. Did you hear? I that was my, a plug. I used yeah, my you plug gotta, voice there, Jeremy. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. Back to you in the studio, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on my plug voice right now. And on that note, we are signing off. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening to at the Ask Not Me Anything podcast, because you're not asking me. You're asking my guests. So hope you enjoyed this episode and hope to see you tune in on the next one. Hope you have a great day, too. And I'll see you soon. Peace. Productions Podcast.